Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Faith Lutheran Church. My name is Candace Wassell. I'm the pastor here at Faith. It is such a joy to have you visit with us. You are welcome, so welcome in every part of Faith's community. You are welcome to join us in person at worship on Sundays. You're welcome to visit us online. You're welcome in our mission and our fellowship, and most important, you are welcome at the Lord's table. The reading for today is from 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. Anyway. Uh, beginning at the first verse. Now when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way to Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. The company of prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know. Keep silent. Elijah said to him, Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. The company of prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know today that the Lord will take your master away from you? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be silent. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the company of prophets also went and stood at some distance from them as they both were standing by the Jordan. Then Elijah took his mantle and rolled it up and struck the water. The water was parted to one side to the other until the two of them crossed on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me what I may do for you before I am taken from you. Elisha said, Please, let me inherit a double share of your spirit. He responded, You have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see me as I am being taken from you, it will be granted you. If not, it will not. As they continued walking and talking, a chariot of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah ascended in a whirlwind into heaven. Elisha kept watching and crying out, Father, Father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. But when he could no longer see him, he grasped his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He picked up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and struck the water, saying, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? When he had struck the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other, and Elisha went over. When the company of prophets who were at Jericho saw him at a distance, they declared, The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. They came to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. They said to him, See now, we have fifty strong men among your servants. Please let them go and seek your master. 
It may be that the Spirit of the Lord has caught him up and thrown him down on some mountain or into some valley. He responded, No, do not send them. But they urged him until he was ashamed, and he said, Send them. So they sent 50 men who searched for three days but did not find him. When they came back to him, he had remained at Jericho, he said to them, Did I not say to you, Do not go? Now the people of the city said to Elisha, The location of this city is good, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the land is unfruitful. He said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of water and threw the salt into it and said, Thus says the Lord, I have made this water wholesome. From now on, <clears throat> from now on neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our reading from 2 Kings this morning, from its very first words, hints that everything that follows must be read in light of the end of the story. But to help us put this reading in perspective, we need to back up a bit. Well before our reading for today in 2 Kings, and back into the first book of the Kings. And there we'll find Elijah, whose story is full of larger-than-life accounts of prophecy and victory over armies of men that are set on destroying him. Supernatural events that put, him into, it put fear into the hearts of his enemies often occur. We read of Elijah challenging the prophets of Baal to prepare a bull for sacrifice, and that he would prepare a bull to sacrifice to the Lord. After hours of calling on their idol, the sacrifice of the bull was not set on fire by their deity. So Elijah called on God, and the Lord set his sacrifice ablaze. Later, we read of a king who worships other gods, who's upset by Elijah's prophecy about the true God of Israel. So the king sends 50 men to capture Elijah. And along their way, they are all consumed by fire. The king, not having learned his lesson from this, sends another 50 men to capture Elijah. They, too, are consumed by fire. So again, the king sends 50 men. But these men are smart enough to plead with Elijah and his God to please spare them. So Elijah leaves with them for another adventure, and the king who sent them dies. Despite the actions of kings and warlords or priests and prophets who claim to have magical powers, or strong, seasoned men of war. Elijah survived, and he proclaimed the power and the majesty of the Lord. Unlike his adversaries, Elijah was crystal clear on one very important piece of information. He understood who was God 
and who was not. That God was the creator of the cosmos and not the bright and shiny idols worshipped by others. That God was the sustainer of all things and not the kings and queens who sought to bend the people to their will. That God was the redeemer of his people and not the people themselves who would put trust in their judgments and actions instead of the judgments and the actions of the Almighty. One day, Elijah heard the voice, voice of God tell him to appoint his successor, and that would be a man named Elisha. Unless we think that Elisha's tale will be any less action-packed, any less visceral than the story of his mentor, we read that one of the very first things Elisha does upon accepting his new responsibility is to kiss his mother and father goodbye. That seems regular enough. But then he goes back to the field where he was plowing with some oxen, and right then and there he slaughters them, and he uses the wood of the plow to cook the meat for a final meal with his people. We aren't given many details on the personal relationship between Elijah and Elisha. But as the successor to Elijah, Elisha was sure to have learned all he could about the Lord and his ways and how Elijah defended God from those who would worship idols like Baal or Asherah. Of all the other prophets and religious figures on the scene, Elisha would have the closest access to the great prophet Elijah. We also note that throughout their time together, we see similarities that hint as Elijah as a new Moses and Elisha as a new Joshua, Moses' successor. Returning to our text, Elijah is sent on a final mission to visit three communities, Gilgal, Bethel, and Jericho. And he requests that Elisha remain behind. As a prophet, Elisha seems to understand that Elijah's time is, is ending very soon. And he demonstrates a commitment to remain with his spiritual father until his very last moments. Even the other bands of prophets that are stationed at each town seem aware of the events that are about to unfold. In the Hebrew text, what the other prophets say to Elisha reads like this. Do you know that today the Lord is coming to take your master from over your head? And clearly, by the end of the story, Elijah will no longer be the head over his disciple Elisha, but he will in fact be taken over the head of Elisha in a fiery whirlwind. So on his way, Elijah parts the Jordan, bringing to mind Moses at the Red Sea. When Elijah struck the water with his mantle, the waters parted and they walked through on dry land, standing literally on the ground where Moses had died. 
And just as Moses died opposite Jericho while Joshua prepared to enter the land, so too does Elijah's time on earth come to an end. Brought to heaven in a chariot of fire. But before Elijah is taken up, we read that Elijah asked him for a, a hard thing. To receive a double portion of Elijah's spirit. Now this is Old Testament language for inheritance, which notes that the rightful heir should receive a double portion of the inheritance due them. And perhaps at this point, Elisha has remembered what his mentor had been demonstrating to him all along. Recognition of who is God, the creator and sustainer of all things, and who is not. Elisha seems to accept that he is not in control of the situation. That he can't give Elijah one minute longer on earth than God has chosen to give him. That his task is not to control the situation, but rather to carry on in Elijah's place, accepting God's authority over himself and all people. The scene of Elijah's ascension to heaven is even more action-packed than the events of his life on earth. Out of the whirlwind appear the chariots of Israel and its horsemen, ancient language that illustrates God as the commander and the chief charioteer of the heavenly armies. And it's from this text that Wallace Willis, a freed slave, drew inspiration for the classic spiritual hymn, Swing low, sweet chariot. Afterwards, when the chariot has gone out of sight, with his teacher gone, Elisha chooses to carry on, picking up the mantle of Elijah, and he strikes the Jordan River and he parts the waters. He went into the promised land just as Joshua had done in a much earlier time, ready to do as God instructs him. While Elijah and the chariot of fire might provide the action-packed finale that such a larger-than-life character deserves, it's important for us to see this story is meant to focus on its ending details. That Elisha, like his predecessor, exercised the humility to see that all his works were accomplished through the power of God. And the same God that lifted up Elijah into the heavens, that same God sent his son to us, who took all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our doubt, including moments of attempting to be gods unto ourselves, all of our brokenness. Jesus took all of these things, and he died on the cross with them. Three days later, Jesus was raised as the first of a new creation, and for all those who put their faith in the promise of Christ, a new life in the arms of our Creator awaits us. In the meantime, there is a mantle for each of us to pick up. We are commanded to love the other, to care for the sick, the stranger, the other in our midst. We offer the gospel message to others, not just in words, but in deeds as well providing healing 
and hope. We are to be like Elijah, teaching all we know about God, his commandments, and his love for humanity to the Elishas who we are given to care for. We are to be God's miracle workers in this modern age, offering a chance for dignity to those who have been stripped of it by the world. We are to help the most vulnerable among us find access to the God-given gifts of food and shelter and health care and education, sharing with every person we meet that they, just like us, are a beloved child of God. Friends, may God bless each of you this day abundantly so that you may go and be a blessing to others, sharing God's love and the gospel message with them. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The most valuable message we have to share at Faith is the promise we have in Jesus. We come together every Sunday to share this good news in the reading of Scripture and sharing of Holy Communion. It is these two acts of worship that we learn of the forgiveness, peace, and joy that Jesus has won for us on the cross. These gifts also belong to you, and we hope you will feel welcome to receive them. After we've shared worship together, we trust that we are ready to be sent out into the world to serve our neighbor, and you're welcome to join us in that great work as well. There are so many opportunities at Faith to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. It's what we feel called to do. It's what we're passionate about. Above all, I want to encourage you in your faith. No matter where you're at in your journey with Christ, you are welcome to visit Faith as often as you are able. But whatever you do, keep searching. There is a church family set aside just for you, and I trust the Holy Spirit will place you right where you need to be.